You're listening to Manufacturing Ignition Hot Topics, bringing you right up to date on the latest trends and discussions within UK manufacturing. Sponsored by Bonfire Recruitment, helping manufacturing leaders across the UK to attract the best talent for their manufacturing company. Ignite your business or career today by visiting www.bonfirerecruitment.com. Here's your host, Terry Mallin. So this week on this week's Hot Topic, I'm joined by Tristian Bailey, who's the owner of Holding Bay. Holding Bay is a development agency. To put that into layman's terms, Tristian helps manufacturing companies to create a website that is looking to scale your brand awareness and also look to create sales funnels within your website that is looking to convert that into sales at the end of it. Because a lot of my experience of manufacturing websites is pretty poor. Really good websites out there, but there's a lot of poor websites that it's just a presence, it's just a page that's been put up there. So what Christian focuses on is how do you create a profile that showcases your business in the best light? And that could be to current customers, potential new customers, or new employees who are looking to join your business, because that's the first thing that people look at when researching a new company. And off the back of that, Holding Bay as a business will look at how do you improve your sales conversions from your website. So you may have a thousand people coming to your website every week or every day or every hour, whatever that might be. But if you're getting zero from that, then what what is the purpose unless it's just brand awareness? So what Christian will specifically look at is how do you convert as many of those leads as possible? And when you are converting those leads, what you're doing is you're gathering some data from a person. And I thought what what would be very important today with the GDPR regulation due to come into effect in May, which is only a couple of months away, I thought it'd be useful to, to discuss when we're gathering data what do we need to do to protect ourselves as manufacturing companies and to make sure that our processes and procedures are right going forward? So hi, Christian, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks I'm for having me on. Pleasure, absolute pleasure. And just to be clear from the start, guys, me and Christian are not qualified lawyers. This is not legal advice. This is just two people who are passionate about manufacturing with an understanding of GDPR, having a discussion and giving you sort of layman's terms how it affects you and your business. So, Christian, over to yourself then. I think it'd be good to get an an intro. So, what is GDPR? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So, with collecting data, when that comes from online website forms, uh, collecting data for for newsletters or product information, or for even for employees and uh, collecting CVs or uh, new data for um, new, new hires, this data often holds personal data that covers individual people and their movements. So what GDPR covers, and that's where it, the crossover happens, is it covers the collection, storage, and processing of that personal data. And the personal data is things like uh, someone's name, someone's uh, date of birth, someone's personal email address, things that are tieable to the person and not the business. That makes sense. And I'm guessing it's you know, we touched on new employees, you know, that could also be existing customers and potential new customers. So if you're getting some new leads coming through the website of people who are, who are looking to work with us as a manufacturing organization, how, you know, what do we need to do to stay compliant? 
So this is a regulation that, that covers the capture and processing of the data. So this covers all your past customers uh, and, and staff, as well as going forward. So in many cases, you have to go through and audit the data that you're collecting and find where there is personal information in that. And if consent was not given to, to using that data for, for other purposes or for it hasn't been given for a long time, you'll likely have to collect that again uh, and go back to those customers. The data that, that therefore we're talking about, it's quite all-encompassing. It's not just saying keep one or two of these fields as, uh, in, your, in, your, in your CRM, in your ERP system special. It's the right to be informed, so the right to know uh, what this data is and what it's going to be used for. And this is granular, so you can't just ask someone to sign up, uh, say, for a newsletter and then be using that to, to contact them for other uses too, if you haven't made them aware in, in advance. The right to access that data. So there is some new, new rules that will come in that people can request the data that you have on them, the personal data you have on them, and you've got a short window of time that you have to be able to provide that in a, in a form, say a, a CSV or a, a just a text file to provide the data you have. Part of that is therefore also for the right to rectification. They're allowed to, to ask and be able to update and keep that information uh, up to date, which obviously can be useful for you too. Um, you don't want to be storing out-of-date information on people. It goes on. They have the, the right to erasure. So if someone's decided they don't want to work with you or, or don't want um, uh, information from you anymore, they have the right to opt out at that granular level. So just from marketing, just from sales calls, just from, from other pieces of information. But they also have the right to just say, please delete all personal information for me. And this for some systems can, can require uh, a reassessment of how that system works because the system may rely on key pieces of information uh, like the person's email address or, or some other piece of key information. And that information now needs to be removed from the system, uh, but you don't want your, your system to fall over. Just before I do the other points, there, there is some differentiation between that, that business use and the right. Uh, and I'll, I'll go on to the, the rights in, in a minute. There, there is, you have to state what right you have to hold this information, because if there is a, a need for that information for, uh, say, a business transaction, someone is asked for uh, an order, a shipment, a, a new quote, you're perfectly entitled to have that information. But if the information is just being held on the off chance or uh, for future use, uh, then, then the, the use is, is not the same. There's a restrict on processing. So, for example, some, some people I see say when we're, we're using websites or have marketing databases of, of uh, emails of, of that information, that can't be copied off uh, and put to, to a different location or um, sold on and used by a third party in this the customer is aware of it. So you do have to be aware, even if you're buying in lists or buying in uh, association with new partners, to do that due diligence with them too. There's also the, the right to, um, to data portability that extends from being able to, to see that information. That for some companies, it's, it's going to be less so with, with um, manufacturing companies and often more with um, uh, maybe the software vendors uh, and, and the uh, people that, that maybe have that information that the information can be processed. You may, may have this with, with um, some HR functions uh, of being able to import and export that data, the right to portability. We see this um, often more in uh, energy companies or different things where you may have a vendor. You may be with one gas company, one electric company, and you decide to move to another one um, that your information, uh, your, your setup, uh, your system installs can be moved and, and passed on uh, where that is that personal information. 
interesting. See on the the basis of so I think I think one of the key aspects there is actually you know if you've got existing data at the moment is is getting people. How would a manufacturing company go about getting people to opt in to to future communications? That's the point that they do set out is is that it's clarity. Um, it's written in clear, understandable language. So sometimes you will need to re. Um, visit your either your marketing or your privacy policies terms and conditions to make sure that those bits that refer to opting in uh, refer to what you're opting in uh, and and it's nice and clear Uh, it definitely means that say for email marketing and pieces like that that double opt-in systems where there's definitely a record of um, that someone has opted in because the pieces that you need to both audit your internal systems for where this data is going and 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 where it's going to be stored but also you need to store uh, when someone authorized uh, you to, when they gave their consent, and where. So it's you're going to need to be able to to store that in your systems uh, of uh, a date and time and what where it came from, uh, that consent. Was it on an online form? Was it in person? Uh, was it somewhere else that, uh, that this information came from? Uh, and then just to, to follow back on that, that question of, uh, therefore, the re-consent, a lot of people are going back and looking at their lists again, if those people on in your data sets you haven't been in contact with or they haven't been doing business with you for a while, it's definitely worth going back and um, re-engaging with them. This is good for a business case anyway of warming up those those leads, seeing whether they've got a new, new uh, project on, uh, a new need uh, this time of year, but also therefore that you can uh, get them to, to consent in and record that uh, information again. Otherwise, there there is grounds that you should be removing and deleting that information from your system. Some people who may be listening may actually be thinking, I don't even have a system in place that actually has that 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 that, that data. Um, what could people do to be able to a um, opt in the existing data that they've got and 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 b be able to track that as a as a, as a you know as a certain process that can be done if you've not got a specific system in place you have in-house to start with following on to that is is speaking to uh, a company such as mine or, or a similar local company that can come in and help you uh, evaluate what's possible with your current system and definitely going back to vendors the the requirement is for you to know how your systems work but also all of your partners um, you need to make people aware of which partners you're using where their data is going to be shared now, if you're not sharing um, this personal information, if you don't have uh, so much of a, um, a personalized system, then that's gonna, there's not going to have so many depths to it. But certainly in the, the, the sales and marketing um, functions, there may be third-party vendors that you're using to collect that information and share and integrate to produce your campaigns and collect data on people. Uh, and you need to go back to those vendors and ask them, what are they doing? And, and get copies of, of their um, their terms uh, and their adherence to GDPR. So, so at the end of the day, opting in your current existing customer database of data that you currently hold, make sure that's systemized and documented of where that person has come from and when they opted into email marketing. So then moving on to the, we were talking, obviously I mentioned earlier about the building sales funnels that converts from, from an online website. What you're doing is gathering a lot of new data from there you know and, and you did touch on there Tricia actually about updating so from a 
from a process and procedure point of view, people will need to update their privacy policies on websites, etc. Can you give me a wee bit more on that? Certainly. So, um, speaking through with your with your uh, legal counsel and uh, the the other parties that you need to to um, update your terms and conditions uh, and your privacy policy, those are, are standard requirements that you definitely need to make sure that they're clear and available, um, both on your website and for requests from other sources. And that information then can be used for people to be aware of where that is going into the sales funnels. You need to be able to, when someone signs up for, say, email marketing or webinars or white papers, uh, that those uh, those links and what people are opting into are, are, clear, are made clearly available to people. It all, all makes perfect sense to me. I think the reality is, with a couple of months out, people don't have a lot of time. And, and, and I know your business, trusting what you offer, um, in addition to you know, looking at uh, online websites and, and, and looking at increasing brand awareness and creating sales funnels that, that converts to sales for manufacturers. What you also are able to do is implement GDPR policies and procedures and processes for manufacturing companies. What we find is partners, are, uh, it's easy to, to find um, uh, seminars and workshops um, to, to get aware. Um, and certainly you need to, to roll that across the, the company that part of the policy is uh, people's awareness and, and the people's um, awareness of, of the, what data is private and how to treat that. So if people are, are making copies and keeping data locally on their, their PCs um, or leaving um, spreadsheets printed out in, in their in-trays, that's covered and that you need to need to be private, need to be uh, possible secure um, while people aren't using that and secure in transit when you're sending it to someone else to then move that across into uh, its use uh, in elsewhere in, in the business. And I think one of the important aspects that we discussed was in the basis of, uh, you know, a lot of manufacturing companies that attend conferences and trade fairs, et cetera. And the fact that this will also apply to like collecting business cards at these type of events. Is that correct? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, the, uh, being at a, a conference or a trade show is a big expense, and obviously the the most value is being able to convert some sales after and following up with people who've, who've visited your booth. But you do again, GDPR doesn't just cover digital uh, media; it does cover the consent of that person. So if someone's come and visited your booth, you've got a big goldfish bowl. Just drop your business cards in to to win a prize on the day. That's not giving consent. If they haven't also signed a, a paper um, that they're giving you consent for that data, that that's not um, valid to take away and start sending the marketing or, or sales calls afterwards. Now, just there is a, a little caveat to it is it is the personal parts of the information. So if someone's giving you a, a generic uh, business address, uh, generic business details that are around the company and not, not around the person, it, it is valid. So B2B communication where you are talking to that company for uh, a business need uh, and not related to their personal data, then there is, that, is not, that is possible under GDPR. That's not covering. But as soon as you're taking maybe their personal interests or other notes that you may take on a sales call to help improve uh, your relationship to them, uh, that's when you need to take advice as to seeing where, you've, where you move from that uh, company and business case uh, use of that data into the private parts of the data. So there may be some parts you can keep and some parts that you need to be aware of that you can only keep around for a certain amount of time. Uh, and then you need to uh, have a good practice of deleting uh, and clearing that information out. 
what we went in there is a lot of good good information there. And to kind of summarise it, you know, with your existing data, you need to make sure that these people have opted in to receiving communication going forward. When's the date actually, Tristan, for GDPR to come into effect? This um, piece of information from, from the EU Parliament was set up in, in April 2016. So it's been around for a couple of years now, but it comes into force on the 25th of May this year. Wow. And it's not going to be a one and done piece of information. This is, this is a, a regulation that's going to just keep running. So these are processes that you're going to have to implement and change how you're running in the company. It's not just like a, a simple done the course, finished, got the sticker. It's much more like an ISO standard. It's a practice. And you need to keep uh, enacting it and having it as valid processes. Once you've registered yourself with the the agency for the UK, if the UK is your main office, you need to be able to be audited. If you had uh, a data breach, you lost some data, there was a a cyber attack, um, they, they tried to take stuff. You've got to be able to make your customers and your data subjects, as they're called in GDPR, aware of this. But you've also got to report it to your partners and back to the Information Commissioner's Office, uh, the ICO, um, which is the UK's body. Looking at the potential consequences, what's the consequences if you breach GDPR? It's a little bit unknown as to how quick they're going to move when it comes in. But as it covers anyone who lives in in an EU state, it doesn't matter where the company is. So the company doesn't have to be in the EU and say like the UK, if we leave the EU, it will still, uh, we will still be covered. And for both for UK citizens and for anyone we're doing business with in the EU, they have levels that they can work through from a warning to a reprimand to a suspension of data processing, which would mean you couldn't process any of your information. You couldn't use any of your uh, personal information up to the the top level. um, And the one that a lot of people are talking about is 20 million euros or 4% of your annual global turnover, whichever's the greater. So there are a, a good, uh, they've got a good hammer to wield uh, if, if people aren't um, being careful with the information. Yeah, not half at all. I mean, if you're running a billion pound business, that's a, that could be a massive fine. And, and even, even on the other side of the scale as well, Tristan, if you're a small startup, and you may be, you know, turning over 500k plus, or it doesn't matter what it is, you know, this could be enough that, you know, well, it would close your business. So, you know, it's going to affect all sizes of businesses. Yep, it, it does cover, there isn't an um, there isn't a, an exclusion if you are a, a very small business or not, it, there isn't an exclusion from it. It's just dealing with, with EU citizens' uh, data. So um, there isn't an excuse to say, no, I've opted out. There are some regulations for the for very large companies or, say, uh, national bodies or, or private uh, bodies, but there isn't a, an opt-out for small companies. No matter what size the business is, GDPR is going to have an impact. Um, and Tristan, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated. And just to kind of summarise, if you know any size of business, your existing data must be opted in and you must record details on the system of how you gathered their data and the, the details of when they opted in. And also, if someone requests to have data, you've got to be able to uh, respond to that request in the time scale set and give the appropriate information uh, required. With regards to the website and the lead generation, if you're gathering new data, it doesn't matter where it's from. It could be from anywhere. It could be from conferences, exhibitions, business meetings to 
uh, websites gathering data, you need to make sure that that uh, specific person has opted in to receiving communication from you. And make sure, obviously, if you are using digital websites, etc., that your policies are all in compliance and updated uh, in accordance with GDPR. More importantly, I think, you know, GDPR is a very positive regulation coming in. A lot of people are quite scared and they basically say they're going to have to delete data they would never use anyway. And, and, and the reality is, if you're able to cleanse your existing data and get a really good, solid list of contacts that actually want to hear from you, now, there's a good chance if you are able to send good market material, building more brand awareness into what services that you can offer a company or what products you, you manufacture, then you should be able to get more business out of the back of that, whether it be growth through word of mouth or whether it be repeat business, whether it be a business buying you know different products from you, new products that they weren't aware of in the past. So at the end of the day, it's a very positive thing for manufacturing and and, and the UK as a whole. Tristian, if you're at the the stage where you have any worries or any concerns about how to systemize this uh, and how to implement the right strategies for GDPR within your manufacturing business, please get get in touch with Tristian. His website is www.holdingbay.co.uk or it's Tristian, T-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, at holdingbay.co.uk. Thanks for listening to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast. If you've made it this far, we take it that you enjoyed the show. In return, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe while you're there and we'll catch you for the next episode.